But today we're in a series called Life Goals. We are, again, yeah, we're week three. Um, if you haven't made the last two weeks, I would encourage you again to at least go to the first week and watch the first one because it gives you a good feel or a good intro for what the series is about. But, uh, of course, I would say that all, this, all the weeks have been great. Um, but we talked about life goals and how some of us have goals, some of us are more like go-with-the-flow people. But at the end of the day, we all, all have a picture of where we want our lives to be. And it kind of represents a bigger question in our life, what our goals and our aims are. It represents this question of what do I really want from life? You know, if you look at your goals and you look at the, like the, the picture that you have, some people, again, you're goal-oriented, you like the tasks and all that kind of stuff. Other people, you just have like this picture, man, this is what I would like to be doing when I'm 50, or this is where I would like to see my family at. Those are goals, too. That's vision. That's, those are dreams. Whatever word you want to attach to it, don't get hung up on that. Just, just realize, hey, there's something in my heart that I would like to, I'd like to see happen in my life. And uh, so we've been talking about those, but we've you know, like, like normal, we've, we've been digging deeper into those subjects. And so we talked about health. Uh, we talked about health goals. And uh, hopefully some of you are still in your physical health goals. You know, I, uh, I missed the first week of January as far as going to the gym, was recovering from the flu. The second week, I went twice to the gym. And this past week, I went thrice. I went three times. Come on. Encourage me a little bit, man. Oh. You know that moment when you get home from work and you're like, oh, man, a nap just sounds so good. But you know if you take the nap, you're not leaving. You know, that's my Achilles heel. But anyway, uh, but it's deeper than even just health goals. It's, it's emotional goals, right? It's spiritual health goals. And so we spoke about those. And, went, and then we spoke about relationships last week, which I know was uh, such an intense message for many of us, right? The, the things that we go through, uh, forgiveness and things that we, we have to deal with. But we have relationship goals. And when we talked about health, you know, God has designed us to operate a certain way. He's designed us to operate in a healthy way. He's also designed us to operate in relationships. And today, we're going to dig into something else that God has designed us for, and that's work. So today, we're talking about work goals. How many of you are excited about that? We all love work. We all love work. But uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, again, just sort of like a big idea to get us in the same page. Uh, Paul is telling the church in Corinth, he says that as followers of Christ, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please God. So all of our goals, health, relationship, or today work, we want all of our goals to be aimed at pleasing God, lifting God up in our lives. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like with work. Um, you know, whenever you meet someone, there's typically three questions you ask them. You know, hey, what's your name, right? How many of you are terrible name rememberers? It's bad. Um, I meet people multiple times, and I'm still like, dude, <laughs> man, <laughs> hello, ma'am. I don't know. It feels weird to call a, a woman a dude, but, you know, it's like, ah, and, uh, but, but names, but that's typically the first thing you want to know. Then it's, it's, like, it's like, where do you live? Where are you from? Right? What's your name? Where do you live? And then eventually it's, well, where do you work? What do you do for a living? Whatever work. There's something about what we do for a living, our work, that's really attached closely to some part of our identity, right? It's, it's closely related. Come on, if you've worked in a business for 10, 20 years, you know that if you're good at it, <laughs> you begin to find some pride. Not necessarily negative pride. I just mean some, you're, pr you're proud about what you do. It becomes a part of who you are. You become skilled at that. And so your work becomes part of your identity, which 
it's just a natural part of life. It's not always this big idolatrous thing. You know, when we talk about identity a lot, we talk about identity in Christ, and we're going to talk some about that. But part of who we are is wrapped up in that, you know? And, and so it's really important. But, uh, but technically, what is work? Because when I said work, immediately everybody went to the job. But if you kind of take a step back and we actually define what work is, I think we're going to see that there's a difference between work and your job. This is what the definition of work is. Physical or mental effort or activity directed toward the production or accomplishment of something. That's what work is. Work is, is what you give your energy and your effort to. That means every day of your life, you're working on something. Not necessarily where you get, where, you know, whether you get paid for it or not. That's not the conversation right now. You, what do you give your effort to? What do you give your focus, your physical activity, your energy, your thoughts to? That's, that's work. And, and the motivation in work is productivity. I believe that all of us want to be productive. I, I don't care what you do. I think you want to be productive in whatever you do. You want to look back in a couple of years and feel like you actually did something for your family, for your society, whatever. Why? Because we're made in the image of God, and God is a productive God. He's a creative God, and so we are built in the same way. Work, though, the way that God puts it is in Genesis 1. This is how he talks about how we're designed for productivity. God blessed them, and God said to them, to, to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And I believe this speaks to productivity. Obviously, there's a reproductive conversation here about having babies, but it's, it's, it's even if you expand it past that, it's, it's about being productive. And so, again, all of us want to be productive, and product, being productive is the motivator behind what we work on and whether we work at all, Right? But, it, but this conversation about being productive and work, w one thing that we have to remove out of the equation is this. Work is not a curse. How many of you have ever said, oh, the old curse of work? I got to get up and it's part of the curse. The thorns in the thickets. You know, sin. If it wasn't for sin, we wouldn't have to work. The problem is, is that's not biblical, all right? Genesis 2 says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Before sin, God instilled in us this responsibility and also this, this uh, appetite to work and be productive. Work is not a curse. It's a blessing. You were designed to work. And so right now, just start removing those cobwebs of all your thoughts about work and, and physical activity. I mean, I, I believe that in heaven, whatever that looks like and wherever that is, right, we're going to still be productive. I'm sorry. I just don't picture us sitting on a cloud. Just like, oh, I'm just going to float here for all of eternity. Like God created everything for us just to just be there and, and nothing. No, I think that there's, there's, there's direction, there's vision, there's productivity. I don't know what that's going to be exactly, but I believe God's a God of movement and vision and direction, and, uh, and I believe that he's got something for us in that regard. But uh, when it comes to this, um, the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it, uh, and this, this motivation of being productive, um, you know, I, I think for us, whenever we think of it as a, as a 
as a uh, as a curse. I believe that it's sort of represented in these next two pictures that I brought for you today. Let's put up the first one. Some of you, you feel like this when it comes to work. You know, the the early bird can can get the worm because worms are gross and mornings are stupid. Every morning I wake up, I'm going to be honest, I probably look like that dog to a certain extent, but I definitely feel like him. I am not a big morning person, but look, you get, like at night, let's go. Let, I mean, I'm a night owl, right? Let's get it going, man. Let's, that's where I'm like creative and, and everybody else is landing the plane. I'm like, come on, guys. But anyway, some of you guys feel like this. Others of you feel like this next bird. I woke up early and there was no worm. <laughs> like... I gave my best. I, I got up at 4 a.m. I read my Bible. I went to the gym. And then I crashed at 10.30 because I was so tired. I was so tired. And then you have to go to bed at 8 o'clock the, the next night to, like, recover. And I don't know. This just does not sound like a joyous life to live. But anyway, <laughs> everybody's different. We're built to be productive. God's productive. And because we are made in his image, we are to be productive. I believe that. So we're designed to work. And uh, I, want, I want you to ask this question to yourself. Do you feel productive in your work? Do you put your job aside. And what you do day in and day out, what you're putting your effort to, first off, is it, you know, is it worth it what you're putting your effort and your life into? But also do you feel productive? I think that a lot of people don't feel fulfilled in life. And this first step in some cases is they just don't feel productive. And there's some reasons, we'll get to that in a second, but you have to ask that question because sometimes people begin to look for things to be productive in, and then they begin to make some really bad decisions. Some people, they just think it's their job needs to change, and if their job changes, it'll fix everything, right? And then it doesn't, and then they're left feeling like there's, there's a desire to be productive. But what is a job? A job is what you do for money. Hey, did you know that you need money to live? You know, money doesn't grow, I mean, you know, or, money doesn't grow in trees, oranges do, but we can't barter with oranges. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we have to go to work. We have to make money in order to pay our bills, in order to have a house, in order to buy food, whatever the case is. It's the world we, that we live in. And so when it comes to a job and it's what you do for money, y'all, do you know how much time and energy that we spend in our job? Right? We spend so much energy, energy, I mean, hours. You know, the average as far as a full-time job is concerned, is concerned is 40 hours a week, man. We're kind of pushing for, what, 30 now, I think, something like that. You know, somebody, somebody sent me an article the other day, and it said, studies have shown that people who work less than 40 hours, hours a week are happier. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean... <laughs> Sometimes articles, I read the headline, and I'm like, you get paid to research that kind of stuff? Like, I mean, we could just sit here and come up with a holla. People that eat steaks and eat, you know, lots of chocolate enjoy their appetite more, <laughs> you know, enjoy their diet more. Of course, because we love steaks and chocolate. Did you guys know that there's a difference between red velvet cake and chocolate cake? <laughs> <laughs> Our daughter had a, a birthday party yesterday, and so we're eating red velvet cake, and there's this big conversation about, you know, red velvet cake is just chocolate cake, and it's just dyed red. It's not. It's not. You know, Miss Kathy, you know. 
What is it? It's not that. See? Is it ta- it tastes different, doesn't it? Ah, see, there it is. It's basically like a vanilla cake, and you put like a little bit of cocoa powder in it, and then red dye, but it's not like a chocolate cake. It has nothing to do. <laughs> our diet. That's what I was that's what I was saying there. When it comes to our job, the motivating factor is provision. Come on, y'all, we need to be provided for. We need food, we need, we need these things. And God has designed it that way as well. Second Thessalonians says this. It says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Come on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, now we're now we getting there. You know what I'm saying? If you don't go to work, if you, I mean, come on. If, if, if you're struggling, I mean, if you're able-bodied, obviously, come on. If you're able-bodied, but yet you don't want to work, the Bible says, hey, man, you probably shouldn't even eat. Because you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. That's biblical, y'all. So there's a biblical mandate on us to be productive, like as far as how we're created. But also, for provision, we have to earn a living. And so everyone has been given a capacity for work. And while work can be expressed in many ways, working a job is essential work. Now, one thing I want to say is this. And this ties in, this this is kind of like a work-slash-job thing. Some of you... You don't have a, a, an official, like, a job, job that you earn money, but yet you are in the same way. You, ha- you are working. I want to give you some examples. If you're a student, I don't want you to think, oh, I don't have a job. This message doesn't apply to me. What you're working on, your work, your, your, when you study, that's work. That's effort. That's physical activity. God's given you the capacity to learn and to invest your life into that for one day, what maybe a job or a career or whatever the case is. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you work more than probably most of us in this place. <laughs> yeah, stay-at-home mom. Oh, it's tough, man. I come home from work. I mean, now it's not as it's not as bad. You know, the girls are a little bit older, but now I come home from work and my little girls, they smell funny, you know, they're just like just they've been eating all day, stuff's happening, you know. And, and they just scream for no reason. <laughs> you know, if you have an office job, you've been, you've been you know, focused in your mind. But it's, it's kind of peaceful. It's kind of quiet. And you go home, and it's like, wah. And then you look at your wife, and she's just like, hey. <laughs> or she doesn't say anything to you because she has nothing left to give, right? But if you're a stay-at-home mom, look, if you're retired, for some of you, your work is not done. Just because you don't get paid potentially to do what you do, you're still putting out effort and work. I was talking to someone just yesterday. They're technically retired, but they're, they're still active and they're still studying and they're still doing, they're still being productive. Why? Because your productivity is not tied to whether you have a job or not. It's much deeper than that, right? And so I don't want you to like label yourself if you don't have a job as, oh, well, I don't work. No, 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 no. You are working. You are working. It might just be in a little bit different capacity. But, but there's this thing about a job, and, and you need a job for money, but how you work at your job speaks to your character. I just want to kind of take a second on that. <clears throat> I talk to a lot of people who, um, now, when it comes to like, okay, let's, let's talk about paying bills, for instance, you know, or, or somebody that they're like a contractor or whatever, and they, they do work for a Christian, have you ever heard that sometimes Christians are the worst in regards to paying their bills or, or ooh, I see a lot of nods. That's really bad, you know. 
The same thing sometimes happens with, with jobs. And some people get defensive about this whenever somebody says, and you're supposed to be a Christian. It's like, well, I'm not perfect. But built into the fact that you are a representative, representative of Jesus Christ is an expectation that you would have Christ-like character. It's part of the deal. It's sort of like it's part of the deal. Last week we talked about relationships, how uh, people will know that we're disciples of Christ, we're followers of Jesus by how we treat one another and how we love people. In the same way, people will know there's something different about you whenever you have integrity, whenever nobody's looking, right? People, people will know whenever they kind of flub the numbers a little bit and you're like, nah, man, I can't do that. That's dishonest and I'm not built like that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I don't do that. Nowadays, it's like eh, a little white lie here, a little bending of the truth here, a little, you know, everybody's doing it. And all of a sudden, we blend in. There's no difference in our life. The word of God says that we are different and we walk different. And in your job, I want you to know every day you get up and go to work and you're around all these people, you have just a great opportunity every single day to be a great witness for Jesus. You're not going to be perfect, but I'll tell you this, even if you're not perfect, you know what says a lot is whenever you do make a mistake, is that you go behind that mistake and you repent to those people. You ask for forgiveness. You say, hey, man, look, I lost my cool. That was wrong. You know, I'm sorry. I don't know how many people actually do that, right? And, and, but, but Christians, imagine if we did that. Did you know that? I mean, I have to do that here at my job. <laughs> I think I've texted all a lot of the staff at some point, hey, man, that was my bad. You know, I said, and it's not as bad as it used to be, right? <laughs> but uh, it's not all the time or anything. I probably text you twice, you know what I'm saying, the last, like, 22 years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but sometimes you have to repent because you're not going to bat a 1,000. But that still speaks to your character. That still speaks to the conviction in your heart that you're not just going to let it hang out there and just let that be your reputation, Look at your job as an opportunity, though, to represent Jesus. Is that too cliche? Is that too cliche for us today? Come on. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know? It's your job, it's what, and, but it's also what God has given you to provide for your family. So, so a question here about this is, am I providing for those I'm responsible for? And I believe, I mean, the people that I know, and I know a lot of you, I know a whole lot of diligent, faithful people who get up and work and do what they need to provide for their family. But for some of you, this might kind of hit home because maybe you've been burnt out physically or maybe, you, you know what I'm saying, you went through a season of life where you gave a lot. And now you're in a season where if you really look, you're like, ah, I'm responsible for my kids or for my wife or for my husband or whatever the case is, right? And I'm not being diligent. I'm not, I'm, I have fallen into being lazy. I'm not continuing to provide for my family. Sometimes providing for your family looks like the honeydew list. <laughs> you know? I'm going to keep moving on that one. And um, <laughs> now I'm going to hang there for a little bit. When I try to do things around the house, um, I usually do the wrong thing and then I have to call somebody to come fix it. Me and my dad changed out a dishwasher a couple weeks ago. They said, do you want, to, do you want to, uh, somebody else to install this for $180? And I was like, no. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's a, it's a drain. It's a water line. 
and it's a um, power. You need power. <laughs> That's the main part. <laughs> because what I did is I got confused. They mislabeled the breaker box. All right, it's not all my fault. They mislabeled it. And so I thought there was an, oh, God. I thought there was an, oh, God, an extra wire. Oh, man. And so I cut that wire, and it was the circuit to the dishwasher. Oh. And so I had to invite Jason over to come and fix it for me. Oh, man. Public confession time. So moral of the story is it's worth $180 to pay Home Depot to come and install your dishwasher whenever you're dumb and don't know what you're doing. So, um, <laughs> oh, man, good times. Am I providing for those I'm responsible for? Now, the last thing, and I think the heart of everything we're talking about, kind of the next level is this. There's your vocation, and your vocation is what you exist for. Your vocation, man, th- this, this is the purpose Right? This is the burden in your life. Now, what I don't want to say is this. I don't want to say that your vocation is necessarily your passion. Because when I say passion, I'm really passionate about golf. So we could kind of misconstrue vocation uh, with, with, like, purpose. You know, because honestly, I don't think my purpose is to play golf. But I, if I get those lines crossed, then I, then I tell my wife, baby, you don't understand. I got to play at least three times a week because it's part of my purpose because I'm passionate about it. That's the way that we kind of put those words together. Vocation is more about what you're burdened for. Years ago, it's actually in this room, probably about a decade ago, I was somewhere over here, and a a guy came uh, to the church to teach, and uh, he was praying for people afterwards, and uh, he prayed over me, and he said this. He said, God's going to put a burden in your heart. For, for different things, and that burden is going to produce a passion in your life. And it changed the way that I forever think about what I am passionate about. The things that you're called to, what your calling is, your purposes, are the things that wake you up at night, are the things that you can't shake. And it, it, it might not always bring necessarily this this happy, clappy, you know, type of effect or emotion in your life. But it's a deep-rooted, I must do this. God has created me to do this, and I've got to, I've got to figure out how to make this happen. And, and it produces a passion. It produces an energy to be productive. It's, it's a focus. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep core part of us, it's, and we're motivated by this burden. And so vocation is different from a job because vocation speaks to purpose over function. We've talked about that quite a bit. Some people get their purpose mis, uh, you know, me- me- messed up with their function. And so what happens is when your function changes, you lose your purpose. But your purpose is a foundational thing, and your function is like the framing of a house or a wall that, that changes. You know, like the, the function of my life right now as a dad is that the way that that functions is going to change. I'm going to be less dad and more like friend at some point. I'll always be dad. You know what I'm saying? But, but the function changes. And so what happens, this happens in marriages. Marriages, the purpose of a marriage becomes the kids. So when the kids leave, we don't know each other and we have no purpose of being together. So we've lost it. And then it crumbles. The purpose in that marriage, the foundational deep-rooted thing, is the connection between that man and woman. 
the love that they have. And now we have to give attention and energy to the kids at a certain age, but, but we can't lose this connection. We can't lose us, right? So that's just an example of, of purpose and function. So your purpose is deeper than your function. Some of you, now, now, let me say this. Some people's job and vocation overlap. Your job and your calling, they overlap. And so you, you have this great opportunity to express your calling through your job. Other people, they don't feel that way. They have a, they have a, a, a yearning to, man, I want to I help people in this way, but yet they dig ditches. <laughs> you know, maybe it's kind of difficult to, to see how those things overlap. We, we might actually get into some more of this next week, but I want you to know, uh, like, your job isn't always your calling, but sometimes it does overlap. The cre- creative part is how can I express my calling through my job because sometimes that can happen. But, but you still have a deep calling in your life. What has God gifted you for? What is it that you're passionate about, you know, in the right way? What, what is the purpose and the, the depth, the, like, drive inside of you? For a lot of people, they lose that because they have to make a lot of money. It's the problem. Hey, young people, listen. Can I just help you? When it comes to choosing a career path, let me tell you what not to do. The first thing that you don't do is don't go download a form that has a bunch of degrees with like a dotted line to the end salary and say, let me just work my way up, work my way up. I'd like to make $150,000 a year out of college. I'm going to do that. What is it? Researching leeches in the Amazon. All right. Uh, Huh, I guess that's my calling because that $150,000 a year, man, let's go. Whatever I've literally seen people do that to it, not the leech part, but um, (laughs) come on. It's like, how much money can I make? So therefore, now I'm motivated by that. Y'all, listen, money is not a good motivator. We need it, but it's not a good motivator. You know what I'm saying? And anybody that's reached your goals of making a ton of money know that that it's good. Man, hey, look, nothing's wrong with like earning money and wealth and all that kind of stuff with the right heart and all that good stuff. But you know that there's a, a, a deep part of you that's not fulfilled just because you got a lot of money in your bank account. Because it's a separate thing. It's like a job and a vocation. It's, it's two separate conversations. And so what's your vocation? What's your calling? What's, your, what's that purpose deep inside of you that God has called you to? Purpose, purpose is more about being than doing. Who I am, not necessarily what I do. Come on. So here's the point. When I truly discover who I am, it will greatly impact what I do. In our, in, in our um, culture, <laughs> we, I was actually talking to my dad a little bit about this. Um, he's 70 years old, and, you know, we were talking about purpose and all this. And, and he was like, you know, when, when I was growing up, and even as I was an adult, people weren't really asking this question. At least, in, like, I mean, we're from South Louisiana, y'all. Cajuns, we're a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? We don't ask big existential questions all the time, you know, and uh, he's like, nobody was talking about purpose, like what, you know, man, you get up every day, you do the right thing, you know, you work hard, you, come on, <laughs> but nowadays, we're, we're very in tune with whether or not, like, who am I, and this discovery process, and in one sense, I think it's good, it's positive, because I think we, we ask some different questions nowadays, but sometimes I think we actually focus on it a little too much. If 
where people quit really w- wonderful marriages because it's like, well, they just don't get me. They just bail on certain things in their life. They quit a great job without another job lined up because it's just not fun. Don't over don't overrealize some of these things, right? But at the same time, who am I? Who has God created me to be? Who has God gifted me to be? For some of you, you've got leadership in you. God has called you to lead. And in your job, you actually don't want to take on that next role. You don't want to move forward because of the responsibility that comes with it. And that, that, that shirking of that, that um, ignoring of that gifting could actually be limiting you in your life. God might be pushing you forward and, and say, man, I, I've, got, I've got influence that I want you to step into. But, you know, you're like you're comfortable. You're right. You're comfortable. You might not be completely fulfilled, but but you're comfortable. So this message, if it, I think for some of you needs to kind of kick you in the butt a little bit, you know, maybe you need to work a little bit more, man. Come on, be more productive. Maybe it is a job change. But the bigger thing here is what's your vocation? What has God designed you to do? To do Ephesians two, for we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In regards to vocation, you are motivated by a burden. And this burden goes deep. It's actually what God's created you for. For good works. To point people to Jesus. And we should walk in them. The question I have for you right here is, am I doing what I'm burdened for? And this doesn't necessarily mean quit your job and go do what you're burdened for. It might not mean that. It might. I have no idea. But how are you doing what you feel God has burdened you to do? Start, just, just walk away from this building today thinking that. Man, what is it deep in my heart that God's burdened me for? It, it, I don't know what that is. But start actually listening to that. Start actually having some conversations about that. Because I believe it might be a next level for some of you in your life. The last thing is this. Ultimately, all that we do is for the glory of God and his kingdom. And so when I talk about burden, for a lot of us, there's an individual burden, but corporately, together, there's one burden. And ultimately, it's that we are on this earth to glorify God and to to move his kingdom forward. Come on, to co-labor with Jesus, to move his kingdom forward. Forward. And that can look a lot, it can look different in a lot of different ways. There's an individual part of that, there's a corporate part of that. But we are puzzle pieces and we come together and we are the kingdom of God. Come on. Come on. We are the church. We are part of the kingdom of God. And so God has gifted you. And if you don't operate in that gifting, there's a part of the kingdom that's not operating. Right? God's burdened you and he's put a purpose on you. And if you don't see it as not just this individual, fun-loving, happy thing that's just supposed to make me happy, but you see it as literally a mandate from God on your life to obey and to move forward and be driven and motivated out of this burden, out of this love for God, and this response to his spirit in your life. If you don't do that, you could be missing what God has for you in your life. And so we are aiming to please God. We're aiming to please God with our work, with our job, come on, and with our vocation. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and your produce. Come on, honor the Lord with your work. Honor the Lord with your job. Honor the Lord with your your vocation. 
But the last verse I want to read is this. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, and there's a lot of you that can finish this verse. Whatever you do, do it heartily, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are, y'all need to hear this. You are serving the Lord Christ. In everything you do, the filter of your actions, the filter of the way that you engage with life has got to be the sum of my life is to glorify God. The sum of my life is to serve him. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? And this isn't a drudgery. This isn't like a a negative thing. This should be motivating in our life. Come on, y'all ever leave a conversation with somebody and you leave and you're filled up with like, let's go. I could do this. You know, you you go into the conversation deflated and you leave inflated. You know, like you're ready. These verses, this conversation, it should convict us and challenge us and move us to ask some questions that I would probably say that many of us, we haven't asked maybe in a while. But don't let it be condemning. Let it be convicting. Let it be motivating. Because I believe it's what the Spirit of God does in our life. He convicts, but there's hope attached, and it moves us forward. The enemy says, look how much time you've wasted. You could have done this, and you didn't. That's not the voice of God in your life. The voice of God is pointing you forward. And that's what I hope that, that we're receiving in this message today, receiving in these verses. But there's three takeaways, and then we're going to pray. Three takeaways for today. Number one is this. Look for the opportunities to glorify God as you work. Just begin to ask that question. Today, as I work on this, God, how is this glorifying to you? What does that mean? Begin to look into that in your life. For many people, what I just said is very ambiguous, and it's like, give you one quick example. What does it look like for me to glorify God as a husband? Well, ultimately, the big umbrella is I want my life, the sum of my life to glorify God. If I break it down into another role that I place as a husband, what does it look like? Well, you know, love my wife like Christ loves the church. How does he love the church? Unconditionally, patient, he's kind. A lot of the things we talked about last week. And so that's how I glorify God in the way that I operate my role as a husband. And every role that you play, ask that same question and break it down. What does the Bible say that, that, that pleases God in this role in my life? And begin to apply those things to your life. That's how you glorify God in your life. One of the ways. Number two, come on, y'all. Allow the, conven- the inconveniences of your job to sanctify you. Y'all like that? <laughs> no. No. Allow the inconveniences of your job to sanctify you, to refine you. That's right. That person that grates on you. Come on. This can apply to all of us, whether you're in school or whether you're retired. You know what I'm saying? You go to that same grocery line every week and it's that cashier. You know, whatever it is. And start looking at it like, God, you are, you are sanctifying me, aren't you? <laughs> you know? God's just, just you know, the, the, the wheels of God, right? They grind. They grind slowly, but they grind fine and, and they change us. They say, he's sanctifying us. Allow the inconveniences in your job to sanctify you and recognize it as that. And the last thing is to experience the rewards of serving God in all things. Many people have never actually lived life like I just des- described in that one role. And so they miss the fulfillment of seeing that they are they have an opportunity to glorify God in everything that they do. And whenever you see 
all of these individual things in your life as opportunities to glorify God, you really begin to see your whole life as a sacrifice of worship, which is what Romans talks about. It's not just going to the gym like, ugh, it's God, I'm going to the gym because I'm stewarding my body because you, this is the only one that I got, and you created it. It's all I'm going to do well. It's, it's I'm going to steward my family because, God, this is the family that you've given me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tend to the soil, right, of the garden of my life. Did y'all know that it's kind of the thought of the word husband is to tend to the garden of your, the relationship with you and your wife. It's, it's, it's attending. It's work. It's effort. Your job, God, you have a job. God has given you a job. Come on. Tend that job well. God's given you a vocation. He's, he's given you, you have a calling on your life. Some of you are operating in it. Some of you, you feel like you're, you see it, but you don't know the pathway to get there to actually where, how you can do that and, and, and put it together with your job or whatever the case is. Keep researching. Keep reading. Keep talking. Keep pressing. Keep pushing. Don't just sit there. Let's get motivated because it's about lifting Jesus up. And the way that we do that primarily, number one, is that we take a step of faith and we believe in Jesus. We give our life to him. We, sur- we live a life of surrender. And every time that we close a message here, we want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity, a moment where you can truly ask the question, is my life surrendered to God? Have I really accepted the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross? And today we didn't spend too much time teaching about that. We sang about it. But... Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He came to this earth to redeem us from sin and death in the grave. He's given us a hope and a future. And even if the things in your life aren't awesome right now, whenever you are in Christ, your hope is in eternity with Christ. So I want to encourage you in that today. If you're facing depression, anxiety, fear, whatever it is, the power of God can break the chains. He can break the, the, those barriers in your life. Uh, but it starts with surrender. So I want to pray with you today about these things. Father, I thank you for every person here, every person watching online. God, you've given us the ability. You've given us the ability to to worship you, to glorify you in the way that we live our life, in our jobs, in our work, in our vocation, in our everyday life. God, would you begin to pull back the blinders in our heart and in our life of what that looks like, what that means. Come on, God, right now, just begin to speak to us. If you find yourself in that place where you feel unfulfilled, God has a calling on you for a certain purpose, but but you feel like you're missing it. Come on, right now, just say, God, would you open that up? Would you open that up? For for some of you, you had a clear picture of that at one point, a clear picture of that that purpose. You know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's it's cloudy now. Come on, just God, would you would you begin to point me in the right direction? For some of you, it might be repenting, it might be repenting from living a certain life or, or thinking a certain way or falling into laziness or I don't know. But you need to repent from how you've been living and say, God, help me again. Help me again, Father. I turn to you. If you're far from him right now and you know you don't have a relationship right now, whatever it means to you, just, God, I surrender my life to you. I believe in Jesus. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. God, I pray that you put a new heart in my, put it, give me a new heart, give me a new mind. Let me think like you. God, we need you. We're desperate for your spirit in our lives. We open up our hearts to you. 
I pray that you fill us with, uh, with motivation this week in these areas, productivity, provision. God, that we would, we would be motivated by these things, but Lord, ultimately, we would be motivated by your purpose in our life. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're here today and uh, maybe you did make a decision to follow Jesus, surrender your heart to him, uh, we want to help you in that. If you want to take that, that card out in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it out and turn it into the room in the back of our next steps area. We've got a couple back there who would love to take that card. And uh, what we're going to do is reach out to you this week and help you take some next steps. We believe when you make a decision to follow Jesus or you recommit your life to him, it's sort of like you're starting a race right? And the Bible calls it being born again, spiritually born again. And uh, come on, we need support. We need help in that. And you, you look around you, this is a family. This is a family of believers. We're followers of Christ. And, uh, and this is a great place to belong. Let me say this, though. Um, even if you're new here, if, if, you, if you're not part of a, of a community of believers, if you're not a part of a church, I would highly encourage you to do that, to sink your roots down deep. This might not be the place for you. I don't know. This might not be your, you know, your crew, your vibe. I don't know. But go find a church of people who preach Jesus, preach the word of God, where whenever you go, you're fed, and you've got a community of people around you that know your name. It might take a little while to get to know their name. Come on, y'all. It takes a little while to merge in. But, uh, but at the same time, just make that, make that one of those goals. I, I really believe in the local church. I believe in what we're doing here. I believe in groups that we're going to be starting here in just a couple of weeks. We're going to be starting groups up, small groups that meet all over the, the city and homes and different things. And man, just, just really take that next step in community in the body of Christ. And I think you'll see your, your life um, improve, man. Come on. Let's stand on our feet. Let's stand on our feet. We're going to wrap up today. And I want to remind you that uh, right after the service, just a, a few minutes afterward, we're going to be hanging out over here with baptisms. But also, look. I know for a lot of us, man, we, we, we grab our kids and we roll or it's just we, we just flood out. Man, just like take, take five minutes, you know. Maybe you got to know the person's name in front of you. Say, hey, what's your name? Where do you live? Where do you work? I don't know, right? Or where's your job at, you know. Come on, a little, little change on the word there. But, man, we love you. We're so glad that all of you came here. Hope to see you next week. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you later on. Bye-bye.